You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, and this is Aaron Cooter. Perfect. Okay, then. There we go. Got it in one. It's a wonderful, it wonderful one. day. <laughs> it's really bad when you when you wake up in the morning and your first thought is, what's happening? What's going on? every morning. Right? Uh, well, I guess the alternative is worse. Right? To not wake up at all. Oh, God. Right? Oh, well, yeah. wake That's up dark. There. That's yeah. dark. I go there. And we're going to go there, and then some, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 861. Damn. Where has time gone? And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. And my heart's a flutter, because I think... Should be. There's someone else here with us tonight. Who is it, Dap? Well, it's not Jason, because he's still... On the other side of the world, practically. I was going to say, uh, and I'm Jason Wood. <laughs> that would have worked. Uh, no, no, no. Tonight we have in her triumphant return, uh, twice in one year. That's unusual for most guests, because normally it takes a few years for them to come back. So thank you for that. But uh, you you know her, you love her, we love her immensely. Uh, but th- this, this, this young lady is finishing up Space Cat. Yeah, uh, she, um, which, which I'm excited about because it's an all ages book and I'm, 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 I'm stoked for that. You will be able to say hello to her at terrific con in Connecticut, galaxy con in Austin, Texas, Baltimore comic con, which is on my birthday weekend. And unfortunately I will not be there and the galaxy con in Ohio in December, but we will all see her. Yeah. We will all get to hang out next year in Charlotte because we're all going to be at Heroes next year in 2024. But this is none other, your friend and ours, Miss Donna Ford. Hey, baby. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> wow. Um, you you brought your own fanfare. That's amazing. <laughs> That's how we do. It's so good uh, to have hi, you guys. back. Hello. It's so good to be back. Yes. So good to have you back. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm doing a, a few more shows this year, but after I was on your show um, at Wicked Con in Boston, I had so many of your fans come up to my table just to tell me that they had heard me on your show, and it was wonderful. It was so great. Aww. You have wonderful fans. It was very sweet, and they voted me in as official uh, fourth chair. So I'm glad to take my rightful place. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, I don't want any bloodshed, but <laughs> Tony, Tony may come at you with a butter knife. You <laughs> hey, just have to you know what? I think we got to fight it out. You know, I think we got to really, we got to show our chops. That's no, we can share you. I, no one has to fight. No one. Has, I will say that's, though, that's great. Our, that's, the people ahead. on our Slack, our extended family on Slack, whenever um, they get in the habit of of doing best of or favorite episode threads or whatever. Your appearances are always at the <gasps> top. Always. They Ooh, baby, love you. Baby, we love that. Yeah. Oh, we love that. Oh, my gosh. Wait, Honored. I think I have a so, solution. Yeah. I have a solution for the fourth chair. Yeah. We'll, we'll just get rid of Jason. <laughs> and then we'll go Tony. Yeah. 
Tana, and, and yeah, it works. It's it's perfect. I love it. Yeah, the, the, the the TF crew. <laughs> um, I mean, with as, I mean, my man's like he basically we we get him like three times a year now as it is. It looks like so. I mean, him he can be our guest from now on. He can right. just show I like up. That. Like, Special guest like, Jason Wood. Yeah, and lest we forget. I'm sorry, this episode, hey, has been sponsored by CheapGraphicNovels.com. Pretty self-explanatory. When your name is Cheap Graphic Novels, you know what you're going to get. Very low-priced omnibus, manga, and collected editions. One more time, I'm going to beseech thee. The Romnibus pre-order is live. You need to order this thing because it is some of the best stuff ever to come out of Marvel. You guys agree? Mm-mm. Romnibus. Yes. Love it. Rom Space Knight. I wonder if they have my silk uh, stuff because uh, there were a bunch of trades of the silk arcs that I did for Marvel and then they collected them into like a, I don't know if it was a silk omnibus, but it was a, you know, maybe across the Spider-Verse themed collection. I'm sure they do. Yes. I'll Um, have to look it up at (laughs) cheapgraphicnovels.com. Remember, the Romnibus has a list price of $125. It's a massive book, uh, of which it is the first of probably three. This thing is 40% off. You are getting it for $74.99. That's $50 savings. Craziness. And remember, when you place your order at cheapgraphicnovels.com, you will get an, uh, an order receipt email. And it'll say, thank you for ordering, list all the stuff you orders. You want to reply to that receipt and say, 11 o'clock comic sent me, and you will be gifted with free shipping on your second order. So that's when you back up the U-Haul and order mm-hmm. all the books. So get yourselves over to cheapgraphicnovels.com. Order that Romnibus and some Silk collections. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Nice. I think I know what you're drinking. Uh, who is that too? <laughs> <laughs> you. I never know what he's drinking. He he may be well, doing meth tonight with the way he's feeling. So I have no idea. Well, Daph is having some technical difficulties before we started recording, you guys. So <laughs> what are you drinking? Well, David? oh, nice. I uh, am enjoying my current favorite bourbon um Ooh. it is uh it's called bardstown uh i will try to bring a bottle next year yes um it is it's it's delicious it, it's it's one of the it, it's actually I, I, was, I was telling the guys this a few weeks ago i it's probably because i know jason is not a fan of whiskey at all um yeah. But I, I, I really, truly feel that this is smooth enough where I won't get the stink face if he tries it. Uh, Ooh. It's, yeah, it's just, it is, re- and, and it's it's a hit with, uh, it's a favorite for uh, for some of our patrons, too. They've, uh, when I talked it up, they were, um, a couple of them were, were, were quite happy to hear that it's available near me. And uh, it is, it's, it's, um. I want to say I thought I took a picture of the label. I, I believe it's from Kentucky, but it is. Uh, it's it's just it's really nice. I like the bottle too, but it's it's just a really nice, smooth, not. Um, it's it's very 
very unassuming and and nearly dangerous just because it does go down so yeah easy. i love nice. that i love a smooth drinker what about you vince well i'm gonna be the sad monkey in the middle because <laughs> i'm just drinking blue raspberry flavored water <laughs> blue. Yeah, that's that's a choice, you know. It is. It, I, I do love blue raspberry. Uh, the only drawback is it's it's clear. I wish it was blue and made your teeth blue, which would be fun. Yeah, but it's oh, yeah. it's just plain you, water. You could yeah. put a little splash of blue curacao in there. That'll stain your teeth right up. Yeah, you know, I pretty could. sweet. Just jazz it up. <laughs> who who would though? Who would? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I uh, when I came on your show, it was right after Christmas, and I had the drinks from the Dram, drinks by the Dram, these little uh, whiskeys in my whiskey advent calendar, and uh, I th- I'm I'm gonna drink one of those tonight. I thought I had a bag of uh, uh, of a half a dozen of these left of the best ones from the last several years. But when I opened my secret bag, I realized uh, I only have two of them left. And so, <laughs> so tonight, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I had the ones, I had had one um, a while ago, uh, a glass Wiegen, 29-year-old uh, single grain scotch whiskey that my dog had chewed up. And uh, my dog had, um, I was remembering her fondly one night. And so I had this, uh, I had this particular one. And so it's not there anymore. And uh, anyway, so tonight, I have to choose between two whistle pigs that are, (laughs) so they're both 10 year old straight rye whiskey. Um, and one of them is from the 2019. It's the oldest one that I've left. And, uh, the other one is from 2020. And so they are effectively a 13 and a 14 year old scotch, um, or a straight rye whiskey. I mean, and so, yeah, what do you think you guys, should we go with the oldest first? Should we go with the only difference between them on the label? And I'll send you guys a picture if you want to. Uh, show the folks at home is that the one from 2020 uh, says that it was exclusively made for drinks by the dram which is the brand name of the whiskey advent calendar if your folks at home are interested in it um but yeah what do you think the 2019 the 2020 hmm. um I'm, I'm assuming you're going to drink both of them i think so i think so so do i go with the oldest one first yes no Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so perfect. Uh, it's I uh, mean, okay. I, <laughs> I've got uh, so so I I'll mark them A and B. So just uh, A or B, guys. B. B for Vince B, baby. That's going to yeah. be the 2020. So I'll go with the younger one first. Uh, this one is actually a much higher proof. I don't know why it's 56.3%, uh, percent, but it is. The other one's only 50. So here we go. Hopefully it's not too raspy. Uh, they're, they're both higher than mine. I think mine's only... Um, mine's 96 proof. Yeah, 40, 48%. Ooh, baby. All right. Oh, that's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) And the ratings go through the roof. Uh, Well, mine's 100 proof. It's it's all water. 
100 proof of blue raspberry. Uh, put a little of that blue raspberry in here. I'll just mix it right in. Cool. I got a case of it. So how have you been in the interim? Mm. I've been really good. Um, uh, things are going well. Work is good. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of like my friends and experiencing seasons, uh, you know, for the first time in a long time, which I've missed. I used to live in Florida and there's just one season, which is perpetual summer always. And uh, so it's been nice. Um, and things are good. Nice. Uh, plus the fact that yeah. you are a creative individual who must spend time at either a mm. drawing table or a screen. So that tends to not exactly yeah. make for a great social life. But it's not too bad. So I've moved uh, to Massachusetts, which is my home state, my native state. And I live basically on Cape Cod now and in a little adorable uh, cottage. My life is very cottagecore lesbian right now. <laughs> and uh, and it's great. And so I live in this little sort of village of cottages. And there are a lot more people around me than have ever really been around me before. And so I'm surrounded by sort of small town drama and people that walk their dogs and neighbors. And I have decided in the spring and summer to just lean into my peak, like, dad energy you know like I call like I wave to the neighbors and I like and I like water my garden with my cup of coffee in the morning and I'm just like hey guys you know to call people champ and buddy Aww. yeah it's so sweet and uh and so I'm really enjoying that sort of I don't know version of myself so these are real people these as opposed to people. what my son calls NPCs like yeah. we we recently went on vacation. He's like, man, this place is, is is just crawling with NPCs. And I had to ask him what it was all about. And he's like, you know, in a game, the non-player characters, yeah, yeah blah blah blah. So um, I guess when they do boring, repetitive, the same old things, they're non-player characters. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's funny, but it's it's they could be. They could be NPCs. I mean, you know, they could just be my little village or populating. You know, these are these are the folks. I don't know. I don't. It's like talk the Truman a Show a little bit. Say hi. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But that's good. I'm, I'm glad you're happy. It, yeah, it's lovely. It's nice to find. Uh, so, is this is your place now? Like yes, it, it feels so. like home. Yes, it feels like home, uh, and you know I am getting in touch with my roots again, which feels really nice. I went through a pretty bad breakup, and you know there's sometimes in life when you just sort of like I don't know have to grow again, and uh, and I feel like I'm in that uh, stage of my life, which is nice. And this is a beautiful place to be doing the kind of work that I do. Uh, and because drawing can be very isolating. And, you know, one of the things that I love about your podcast is that for a long time, I didn't have a community of like artists and people. I hadn't gone to any comic book shows. I didn't know other creative people. And my only connection to this universe was through your podcast and podcasts like this. Uh, and so I find, you know, you guys are my voice in the dark. And it's nice to be a part of that. And now to have that kind of a broader community and have like actual NPC human people in my life again. It's nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, sounds cliche, but sometimes you got to tear a structure down to build it up more resilient, more, you know, better, stronger. So there you go. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I'm the optimist. Remember that no matter what the other two tell you, I'm the optimist. <laughs> I don't know, Vince. <laughs> I've been listening to you for a long time. I don't know that that's true. But... 
See, it sucks when the, the other per- person on the other end is informed. If you're informed, yes. I can't bamboozle you. That's no fun. Uh-huh. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, uh, we had um, a commingling before this episode. We did a little bit of uh, preparation yeah, we did. And we decided, hey, why not read the same things? It'll make for better discussion. We can bounce ideas off each other. So we did just that. And I have to say, you could tell that I love you a whole lot. <laughs> because if you told me, as, as little as like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that I would not only be reading uh, a series focusing on the Scarlet Witch, but enjoying the series. I would be like, get out of town, but I have yes. to I have to be honest. Um we read uh, it's uh, written by Steve Orlando. And you have to say yes. that in a Taylor Negron voice. Oh absolutely. Steve Orlando. Uh illustrated <laughs> by Sarah Picelli with Elisa Elisa D'Amico, uh inking assist and color big surprise by matthew wilson so we all consumed scarlet witch one to five plus annual number one okay well full disclosure i didn't read annual number one but i did read the other five okay we're good i was extremely surprised and a little bit embarrassed from this because i do i did uh, I did, and I do, appreciate the uh, talent behind Sarah Pacelli. Oh, she's uh, so good. Every time mm-hmm. I've seen her work, I've been like, oh, it's, that's really solid, really, really good stuff. But I think this is a couple of levels up from what I've yes. seen. It, it, I think the artwork is the strongest facet of this series. Not to discount the writing, but the artwork is phenomenal. And the the surprising thing to me is, well, it's not. It shouldn't be that surprising. Um, Pacelli uh, uh, renders Wanda super sexy, but it, doesn't engage in that grato- grotesquely exaggerated mm-hmm. proportions. Like she's not running around with massive breasts or mm-hmm. a big butt. Like she's very realistically and tastefully proportioned. And I thought. And she's super sexy. Like, there are some poses mm-hmm. like, whoa, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and yeah. Pekeli's figure work is incredible. And her expressions, there's also, I mean, I've I've been a huge fan of Sarah's work for as long as I've been a fan of comics. And her Miles Morales stuff was incredible. She's just been doing superlative stuff forever. And there is something about the way her brushwork is and is working here or like the finishes or I don't know the there's something gestural about it or uh, chunky about it in a way that she, she's usually so refined and the her anatomy is so beautiful right yeah. like her figure work is incredible the acting the expressions that she has um and you know she doesn't draw eyeballs she doesn't draw pupils in eyeballs very often and so she gets a lot of expressions across with very minimal not minimal but like gestural work and it just leaves me breathless it is some of the most beautiful artwork on the shelves right now yeah it's silly how good it is it it really is um but It starts off slowly. Like, I think the first issue is very solid, but 
she kicks into high gear like around issue two then it just keeps ramping up three compounds on what she did in two and i believe four is the um dodderman comes in uh russell dodderman does issue one of the issues so right it's, yeah yeah it's Kelly for a few and then uh there's kind of an interlude or something um and i think he's on three or four i don't remember which so it's Kelly. You pronounce it Pichelli? I, I mean, I think I think it's Pichelli, but maybe it's not. What is Christina oh. Ricci? Is that two C's or one C? All of our, you're Italian, Ricci fans, is no? two. right? Yeah, I am Italian, uh, but I'm so, also incredibly bad at pronouncing. Pronounce, pronounce, I've always, I've always, <laughs> assu- I've assumed it was Pichelli. I've always assumed it's Pichelli. I don't know. I don't well, know I'm guys. gonna let's go with with you. We'll default yeah, to you. Yeah. Now the issue in question that it's a bad idea. <laughs> the well, issue, Dowderman does the covers. Um, yeah, no, it's oh, issue he does the three. Fifth issue. He does the fifth issue. Issue three is is just an explosion. It's the one with the full page spreads. Yes. Uh, oh my goodness! Yes. Like crazy. Very interesting storytelling. So what I want to say um, is that from the jump, I thought the writing on this series was incredible. Now, full disclosure. Uh, Steve Orlando is a friend of mine. And so like, I like him as a human being. And I thought that his comic work, like I love his comic work, but I thought it would just be standard. And he actually slayed me with the stuff that he's writing for Scarlet Witch. I deeply enjoyed this series. Uh, And like from the beginning, there's this prescient thing. So it opens with like this water battle and a big yacht. And there is this line, you guys, that says, you know, there's like a big... I don't know, sea monster. And uh, the boat is filled with guys in suits. And uh, Wanda is saying that seems really impractically dangerous. They wanted to come and witness uh, this big primordial primordial monster. And they their responses were bored and very rich. Yeah. I mean, like he you couldn't this was written months ago. This very bored, very rich people on a boat. That's right now. There right? you like go. That, right. I was like, I was reading this and I was like, holy shit, we've got some prescience happening. <laughs> but it was funny, right? Like there was just really these good moments of really good turns of phrase throughout the series when, you know, I, uh, you know, there was this, um, you you dare to talk to me about consequences, right? Like he is doing a lot of really good character work without leading the reader by the hand, um, you know, and sort of building on the WandaVision stuff, but sort of he trusts his audience, right? Like he, it, it spoke to me in a literary way. It wasn't, none of this book was talking down to me. It was fun. It was bombastic. It was big. Uh, I loved the food stuff in it. Like there was a lot of emphasis on sort of, food in a way I wasn't expecting and that I found very enjoyable as well. Um, The uh, consequences are the lattice work of your life. Oh, that's such a good line. There were just these really good moments. And I think in comic books, if you're too wordy, right, if, if they're just talking back and forth, like visually that numbs you, right? Because you've, you've got Pichelli, you've got Sarah on this doing this great artwork and you don't want to cover everything up with word balloons but you want those like zingers you want the dialogue to be kind of peppy and on point and resonant and I think that Steve does a great job of this I was I was reading this and experiencing deep enjoyment in a way that I haven't with comics in a minute I I, I freaking loved it I agree with all of that 
And the thing that drew me into it was, as a longtime reader of the Marvel stuff, whenever a writer gets their hands on Wanda, yeah. it's, it's always, oh, I've made so many mistakes in my life. Mm. I've, mm-hmm. I've, tur- I've turned off a, a whole mm-hmm. mess of people. Um, you know, woe is me. There was none of that. This is, this is a Wanda yes. that's extremely confident. And she's like, yeah, I messed up. I did some 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 bad, stupid, unthinking stuff, but that's in the past. Now I'm right here, and this is my life. And I thought, whoa, he jettisoned all of that yes baggage. Um, I mean, not only there there are so many things in Wanda's life that would have brought down. I mean, mm-hmm. individually, a normal person, the whole vision thing, the, the uh, having yep. the 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 children, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. taken away then there was the no, no more mutants thing like there there are traumatic events heaped upon another in her life and she's just like okay yep this is square one let let's let's do this uh, and not and not feeling bad for herself but turning it around to want to use what she has to help people yeah, this the prevailing themes of hope and second chances. And at no point, like uh, so many of the villains in this, which I found sort of uh, goofy in the best way, right? Like you want supervillains to kind of be blue-faced maniacs with giant capes, right? Like doing magic. Right. Like you want that. Um, uh, but but they, um, in this first issue, you know, the the first bad guy is trying to like use Wanda's life and all of the things that have gone bad is a way of crippling her and says these devastating things to her. And at no point is she like, you know, well, you didn't understand or she doesn't try to explain it away or, you know, buckle under the pressure or feel the shame that would come from having done all, you know, having all these horrible things happen. Instead, the emphasis is always on hope and on second chances and on being able to remake yourself and kind of own that and be like, yeah, I, I fully fucked up and look at me doing better now. (laughs) And that is the kind of story that is the kind of like the, the ineradicability of hope that I live for. And I think Steve hit all the notes just right and managed to have fun with it too, you know? And there are these themes of family throughout it, um, found family and sisters and daughters, but also, you know, Pietro is so great in it. Um, And I love one of the things that I love about Marvel comics when they're doing it right is getting those sibling interactions or those family interactions right. I think if you can do that, if you can tell a story about complicated families in a way that is wholesome and, you know, and is still like funny and like chummy, then you're going to nail it because that's what Marvel is, right? Like that is that's the X-Men and that's, you know, the Maximoff family and that's, you know. Uh, a call back to my own work, Silk and her little brother, Albert. Like if you can do these things correctly, like if you can make that feel real, I think it really resonates. And, uh, and yeah, and I loved it. Yeah. I loved it in this. She's almost on. Unf- well, she is, she's unflappable in this book because yes, here's uh let's just use this as an example the low mysterium thing the the necklace mm-hmm. that is that is mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is opaque to magic as they said in the book so mm-hmm. you have something that can 
in a sense, negate your pro- your powers. It, it pierces you like a bullet at one point. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, we got to get to the bottom of this. And then mm-hmm. not only that, but it, it, Orlando compounds it that you have the uh, Scythia, the, the uh, Hippolyta as Scythia, yep. who fashions a suit of armor made out of this stuff. Yes. And, and Wanda's just like, eh, you left your chin unarmored, you big dope. Like she's just yep. no matter what is thrown at her in this book. I she, thought I thought that was yeah that was wonderful that little fight scene you know where she's like I was also trained by the by the fucking Avengers right, right. like I can actually I have magic and I'm super powerful but if you negate my magic I can still fucking punch you in the face like seriously yeah and then and they get this great battle this sort of like these two beefy women one in Amazon one Wanda and they just kind of duke it out in a way that is just gorgeous. At just absolutely and those the the eyes the expressions on the face the action shots i mean as an artist anytime you read a book like this it's a master class but it's so enjoyable and you just get a sense of like i don't know these characters these women you know who are have believe in big lofty things um doing stuff for duty and honor and, you know, prices that blood prices that have to be paid no matter what and how you can kind of uh, reach understanding with each other or not, or just punch each other in the face. It's doing a lot right. of things that are really enjoyable it, about comic books. Yeah. It also plays against the, the masculine stereotype that, yes. you know, you have Superman fighting Doomsday and they're all bloody and ripped apart. Oh, these two yep. big macho guys going at it. But there's, like, these are women. And yes. and, and when it, there's a time when thought may fail and they're just like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to beat the shit out of her. And that, that was very refreshing, you know? It's just, you don't often see that. I thought <laughs> it was great. we're here for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Especially when it is so beautifully rendered. And it really is. And so, you know, so you get these guys, you get these characters who are bigger, bigger than life, who've made mistakes, who've experienced grief, right? There's that great line that's so iconic. What is grief if not love enduring, right? The um, And this idea that, like, that that is such a cornerstone to the Scarlet Witch that it is, but it isn't something that she shies away from either. That this pain makes her stronger, but like there's also joy, um, you know. And so you have these uh, these big things that exist in relationship to one another instead of just, you know, she's not a weapon of vengeance. She's not, you know, hurt and pain made manifest, right? Like she's she's what all women are. She's a she's a collection of all of these conflicting right. things, doing the best she can in a life that she's fucked up at some at certain points right like that's the human thing about it uh and i just found it so enjoyable and god it's so gorgeous the brushwork oh yeah. kelly's doing something with this brushwork that i love it's very smartly written i mean i i could groove yeah. on the art and i'd be like oh that's a beautiful book but i think mm-hmm. the the story complements uh the art very well um the whole concept of the last door is great uh, because mm-hmm. that could be used forever. That's something. So that- the tagline to this book is: "If you need, if your need is great, this is on like the the title page, right? If the, if your need is great and your hope is gone, there you will meet the Scarlet Witch. And the whole premise around which Orlando is building this story is that Wanda has created 
basically an interdimensional railroad to a, this last door when you, wherever you are, I think across universes, have no place else to go, you open this door and you end up with Wanda. You you end up in this little store in Loki. Where is it? Lotkill? Yeah, Lotkill, Lot New York. Kill. Yeah, New York. And so you end up in this little shop, um, you know, and so you get these ragtag band of characters um, that come in anytime they need help. And I love that as a storytelling device. Um and and also to just keep it on this theme, right? Like you have this big overarching theme of hopelessness and hope in the darkness and that Wanda gets to be that light. God, I love it, man. I yeah. love it. It's a really clever uh, storytelling tool because you always have – I mean the resources are right there. One you know, one issue, hey, Reed Richards just came through the door. What's going on here? Yep. Uh, you know, yep. It could be literally anyone in the Marvel Universe from humans to gods. That's a really neat concept. Yeah. You could yep. just do little character studies if you wanted to. You, Orlando will never be out of ideas with this book. Yeah. And it's and it's beautifully done. I didn't. And also uh, the you can tell. So you you have the writer and the artist team that are bringing the things like that they love about their lives to it. Um, I know Steve has like a, lived in Russia for a little while. And I wondered what kind of Russian or Romanian influences would permeate the work. And almost none of them are in there. Instead, what I was delighted to find were all of these little references to food and to like fancy things. Like at, at a certain point, you know, he's got Pietro complaining about like the the crappy takeout in this podunk backwater that his sister is holed up in. But then, you know, she serves this tea that I didn't know existed. I had to look up. It's spelled P-U dash E-R-H Poo-er. Poor tea? I don't know. Do you guys know how to pronounce that? I like the way you do it. <laughs> I'll just be mispronouncing everything. Sarah I, I would like a cup it. of poor, please. Poor, poor tea, poor. which I had to look up. Uh, so she makes, you know, Wanda makes this for the first, like the Italian woman that comes in in the very first episode, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And it is a in a raw form so it's it's a fancy tea is what it is it's called the bordeaux of tea which i had to laugh out loud because steve orlando is such a food snob and i love him for it and so of course he put in the bordeaux of tea into this book um but when it is raw it's similar to green tea when it's cooked it's similar to a dark black tea and then you can also there's another way of there's a third thing you could do to it, but I don't know enough about it. And this is from the Yunnan province of China. Um, and it's just fantastic. Like there were all these little, you know, foody things that permeated the work in a way that I really like the oil and water. Um, at a certain point, she feeds what is like a little it's called a sarmali. And I was like, is this like mm -hmm. a tamale? It is a Romanian cabbage roll. Uh, that Wanda feeds to like the nightmare creature that's inside the daughter. And, you know, and it's just so funny to me and so specific that, of course, there, you know, I'm learning about Somalis. I don't know if that's how you say it, guys, but Romanian cabbage rolls, you know, that like it, it just adds a depth of character and enjoyment for me personally for books like this when they do, when they're that specific, when there is stuff like that that's just, it, tucked in 
and can make the the universe feel richer and real and so much more enjoyable. I think the the twist on that, um, the Dream Queen, was amazing because here you have a a creature, daughter of Nightmare, that um, gets their powers through negative emotions and dreams, right? And Wanda flips the script and feeds her this, what you said, but yeah. So now she consumes. That's our Molly. Yes. She, uh, now she she has to consume bliss instead of the negative emotions, and she, and it repulses her. Like it's like she's she's thrown up in her mouth, but she needs sustenance. So now she has a, a, a lifetime of c- consuming revolting things to her. That's just which is, yeah, yeah, which is going to be bliss. Like the the premise of this particular episode, uh, where the kid who is a character I did not know existed before this like vision daughter. So, and also Pekeli. Oh, you didn't you didn't read Tom King's vision? I did not read Tom King's vision. Okay, you guys, don't don't come now at you me. Can. Oh, it's fine. Issues. Now you no, can. You're, you're good. Okay. Maybe that'll be the thing I pick up next because I really enjoyed my introduction to this character. Um, and uh, But yeah, so she's an AI and she has nightmares because this nightmare creature is feeding off of her terror and the nightmare creature is like human minds will break after a certain amount of time. I can feed on this, you know, AI buffet forever, right? Like she's just gonna, it's gonna be great forever. Uh, and and as a premise, that was so wonderful. Like that was such a good use. I think. Yep. Again, it's prescient, right? Like we're we're having all these conversations about the role of AI and the way it intersects with humanity. And here we have this character who's kind of that intersection. And it was wonderful, man. There was just something so deeply enjoyable about this series, um, you know. And and the interesting way that it continued, like it. It is linear. It's building on itself, but every issue is doing something different and kind of unique, right? Like you have that sort of D and D adventure um, where they go into the the subatomic universe. Oh, I um, love it! Yeah, yeah, that's my and favorite it, issue. It was a great issue, and instead of you know telling it telling the story in a linear fashion, entire pages are just sort of you know the recap of the battle that's already happened and you know and it's these three women banding together two of them are you know sisters and one of them they're helping save her people and and it's gorgeous and it's sort of i don't know it's using the medium of comics in such a in such a compelling and beautiful way it's what we love about comics man Uh, and it lets Sarah unleash her design mm-hmm. uh, prowess uh, because, I mean, she's drawn a whole mess of stuff here. Uh, environments, giant witches, uh, yep. you know, the, the I mean, how long did they spend in Subatomic? Mm-hmm. It, it seems like they were in there for a long time. And then Wanda, um, Wanda's just like, you know what? You got this. We're going to we're uh, going gonna to head out. Um, and then she bonds with Polaris because they've never really had the you know the, the the tightest of relationships but i learned something in researching yeah. this, this book tell me what did you learn wanda's not a mutant anymore they've they've retconned that what is she she is a human mutate 
as as far as the Wikipedia goes, uh, a 2015 storyline revised Wanda's origin, establishing that her super superhuman traits are entirely a result of experimentation done by the High Evolutionary, and Ooh. on inherited magic abilities. Like Franklin Richards and other characters, her genetics were such that standard X gene tests gave a false positive meaning she was never actually born a mutant. I did not know that. Interesting. Because I don't remember um, exactly what the fallout was from No More Mutants, but if she was a mutant, oh, yes, it, it, she ran the risk of eliminating her own powers, correct, Dap? Yeah. Well, she decimated like ninety percent, so she may have just been the one out of a hundred that would have been saved. Or well, maybe it just it doesn't affect her. Like like her spells don't affect her. Yeah, it's still kind of dumb. And I like the fact but that still, they, yeah, yeah. they 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 retconned it to make her not a mutant because I don't think Franklin should be a mutant either. I'm glad. No. Well, I mean, but his. His parents are powered, so if yeah, they, it would make sense for him to be a mutant, if he if he does have powers, it would make sense for him to be a mutant because he'd be born with them. Yeah, I just think it's it's just um, playing into the the old an easy way out. Yeah, stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like whatever. It, he could be special without being a mutant. I feel like for me, it's it. This is when it gets a little too in the weeds for me right. personally. Like right. I just like there's. It's just cutting so close to the bone on that. I don't. I don't think I honestly have an opinion. <laughs> right. I really. It, which is a nice way of saying who gives a shit. Like I don't really don't care. <laughs> it's true. As as long and we say it all the time. As long as the the stories are good and entertaining yeah. and, and engaging, the continuity, more or less. I mean, if they do something you know blatantly out of continuity, uh, okay, you pick up on it. But if in the in the bigger picture, it really doesn't matter. As long as the yeah. stories are, are entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Just, enjoy the yeah. Story. Tell, right, exactly. yeah. just tell good stories. Just tell good stories. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that have gorgeous women in them and, you know, are sort of deconstructing sisterhood and family and friendship, right? We've got the Darcy angle and taking care of each other and second chances. And there's a lot of queer shit, right? That's built in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got, a you know, I- an interracial lesbian couple uh, in a town. Right off the bat. First couple, issue. Right off the bat. First issue. And then, you know, and then you've got all these other sort of the examination of different female friendships uh, and powerful friendships, right? Like, and women taking care of each other and sort of blended families, this idea of Wanda Maximoff as a kind of stepmother to the Vision Kid. Um, But, you know, like, and them talking about the weird relationship there and, I just think that there's there it's doing so much, but not behind the scenes, just sort of it's it's baked in to what is on the surface, in your face, a fun, vibrant, well-written, poppy, gorgeous story like this is this is the comic book. If you're reading a comic book right now, it should be this one. It's fucking great. Yeah. You're right. The whole Wanda Vivian thing is really strange because yeah, Wanda was the template for Vivian's consciousness, 
in the same mm-hmm. way that the vision had templates for his consciousness. So if she like, it, it, I agree with you as she's uh, like a surrogate stepmother, but it's like she's babysitting herself in a, in a way. Yes, it's it's and it's odd. It is. It's very odd, and uh, you know, and there's. I don't know that there's a, a, I don't know, a right way to talk about it, yeah. but the fact that, you know, the, that they try to talk about it, that they try to address it, um, is just really nice. You know, I, I was extremely pleased yes. with this whole series and, and big digital hug to you for, um, pushing this under my nose and I'm Yay, sure, I'm, I'm sure so Dad still feels the same way. No, it was really good. I mean, well, come on. I have to be honest. Look if at I, this. If I Listen didn't like it, line, Vince. Oh, yes. <laughs> Listen to this line, okay? It, it came in like uh, uh, issue four or five. Heroism must not be about the recognition of the savior, but the elevation of the saved. I mean, that's a flex, man. That's a that is a good fucking line, Steve Orlando. <laughs> or, that or, is a good line. Orlando was making eggs one day. And oh. that that line came to him. Burn the I'm eggs. Gonna ask him. I'm gonna ask him. He will. He would never burn eggs. I that. Will that. He would never. <laughs> My man. I have to get this down. Heroism must not be about the recognition of the savior, but the elevation of the saved. Oh, it was so good, man. I just there's a lot of deconstruction stuff. It's it's big heady stuff, but it's not. It's not too wordy. It's not verbose. It's not, you know, you don't have to pay attention to the fancy tea. You can skip the fact that it says Pura and just read that she made some tea, right? Like, it doesn't beat you over the head with any of this stuff. But if you if you give a shit, it's there. And God, do I love yeah. the reward system in careful reading. I love that. Uh, one of the things that um, I, I resisted typing for my notes while reading this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I find it kind of cringy. Okay. Strong female character. <laughs> that that kind of gets to me a little bit because um, that shouldn't be um, noteworthy these days. It should be the norm, right? Where, yeah. um, you know, oh, wow, the, all, the, all of the the characters in this book, the strong female characters. I think they're they're strong characters who just happen to be female. Yeah. Well, well, you wouldn't say strong male character in a Batman or Superman. Oh, no, that's see. So why we guys, gotta say that? Right, because we live in a patriarchy, and yeah. you know the idea of toxic masculinity is the norm that we that needs to be deconstructed. We are not, we do not live mm-hmm. in an equal society, and so when things are different or queer or feminine in a positive way when you have different iterations of the female figure or strength or like and it isn't just resiliency in the face of constant abuse right like there's hope here there's joy there's friendship there's jokes there's all of this stuff that adds to the texture and the complex human relationships between very different women that is wonderful, right? Like, and and yes, different ages. There's like mother daughter stuff. There's sister stuff. There's found family stuff. There's friendship stuff. There's adversary stuff, and you know. And while all of them could be under the blanket term of strong female character, I think that's too much of a reduction. It is, and instead of saying let's not say strong female character, let's say strong female character, and then dive into the particulars of what we fucking loved about it, right? Like sift through it really get in the weeds 
uh, and dig that stuff up, I think that there's a lot to praise and love in that stuff. Right. And so instead of trying to get rid of it, really crack it open, you know, add more stuff to it. Well, for, I mean, from my perspective, those words are usually uttered by a man, doing commentary on the book. So that's why I, f I find it kind of embarrassing. Now, if I was on the other side yeah. of the genetic coin, I, I probably would um, find it um, like you do. Yeah. But it'd be these, these, these patterns of behavior that mm -hmm. we're, we're uh, with which we're wired, they're hard to shake, right? I mean, yeah. I fuck up pronouns all the time. And it's hey. not because I don't care. It's just mm -hmm. because I've been walking a path 50 whatever years. And it's hard. Like my daughter is they them. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, like I just said daughter. I should have said child. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, whenever I, I introduce her, I say the, this them. is this is my spawn. <laughs> she nice. doesn't she doesn't like that either. But well, they don't like that either. See, I still do it just because it, it's it was I've experienced her as a baby girl, so it's yeah. hard to shave that from my memory. Yeah. It is, and it's a tough question. I had to learn uh, nibbling instead of sibling is a thing uh, what is for like gender. So when you have a gender non-binary kid that you know is a sibling, you can call them a nibbling, right? So I, it's adorable. It's also just a generally adorable freaking word, and one of my favorite of all the gender non-binary and uh, you know sort of pronoun games. Nibbling is one of my favorites. I am uh, writing that down. Right yep. now, because I am going to use that and yep. gain massive and points. <laughs> Nibbling is great. I don't think that sibling is gendered necessarily, but I love that like nibbling is this new word that has come out of what wasn't really, you know, a sibling is is a sibling. And so you get a nibbling is this other, this so, other thing, but we're all... We're all figuring it out. And so one of the things that I especially loved about the execution of this gorgeous, fun, zany at times, emotionally deep at times story is all of the variation, right? All of the variation of character and the development of all of these different types of people. And when, when Wanda is put under pressure, she is seen to be clever and empathetic and sort of relentless about hope in a way that I find inspiring because it is so easy to fall into despair, especially when you have such bad shit happen in your life. Right. And there's just this, this word, ineradicability, right? Like there is an ineradicability of hope about this story that I especially love uh, and is only made, you know, more loving because of how gorgeous it is oh, and right. the colors too i don't think i've said enough about the colors there is something exquisite about what matt wilson is doing his use of negative space the whites like his his watercolor washes there is an an ombre to um to wanda's outfit right like it's in yes. the character sheet too um which if you read the book, there's, you know, some design notes and an interview and like there's very cool behind the scenes stuff. I love it when they include those sorts of things. But her dress 
sort of fades, right? Like there's an there's an ombre into stars. It goes from that re- iconic red or pink to like starry night at the at the tips of her dress. Um, and when she does magic, that same sort of ombre happens. Um, and it's just absolutely stunningly gorgeous. Um, and I love it. But then he'll do, you know, that that sort of red fade into stars against a white background, right? So yeah. for that very stark um, visual, it, there's something so arresting and beautiful about the execution of this book. I just fully love it. Yes, she has... For those of you who haven't sampled this book, mm. Wanda mm-hmm. now has a coriander, uh, starfire-type trail mm. to, to her mm-hmm. hair, where whenever she moves, it, it undulates and twists mm-hmm. behind her. And it's really, really well done. Uh, but to get back to how, uh, the, the colors, there's not a solid color in this book. It's it, so good. It's either color will be either kissed with mm-hmm. a texture or mm-hmm. a gradation, and it's and it's not to my. I, I mean, computer coloring when done really well, like this, mm-hmm. doesn't scream computer coloring. It, it there's a very he, organic, layered, textured beauty to his work where other guys are just clicking on the you know the the fill tool and just it's so. Uh, it's measured and tasteful mm-hmm. and it's it's and you know there's something on a panel by panel basis that's just so gorgeous as well also vince kissed by texture yes. that's amazing what a well, good way to describe this thank you thank you can we get back to nibbling just for a second i want to know how to use it yeah, in a sentence so what do i say don't be uh, well, inconsiderate so- to your nibbling Would that yes, be okay yes. gotcha yes Consider yeah. Consider the feelings of your nibbling. If you have uh, a nibbling, you introduce them as you know. This is my nibbling. Whatever. I am going to light oh. her world on fire. Their world. Their world. Sorry, See, ah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Hey, it's you know. As long as you're trying, I think that is uh, that is one of the most important things is well, to I, just care enough and to try. And I, to can't, keep trying. I can't. I can't stop. Mm-hmm. She is. Uh, it's. They are extracted from me almost mm-hmm. completely. The, Mia is, I don't want to say a carbon copy because they're their own person, obviously. Yeah. But all of their likes, dislikes, tastes exactly like mine. Can I tell you, can I just tangent really quickly? So sure. If you guys don't mind. I had an experience this weekend where I was playing uh, Settlers of Catan with one of my friends that I've known forever, right? Like she was one of my very first girlfriends way, way back in college when we were wee babs. And she fully has a 15-year-old son right now. And we were playing Settlers of Catan. And, uh, and I'm sitting across from this boy that I have not seen in a decade uh, again, you know, and his mother, who I know intimately, like I know every mood of this woman, right? Like I know her so well. And we it's the kind of friendship where we haven't seen each other for a long time and then we have. And so but there's something so familiar about it. And I am that I have this experience where she did not birth this boy. None of her genetics are in this child. She raised him. So it's a nurture versus nature situation. Right. And I find myself having this out-of-body experience because I am looking at and interacting with a golden-haired clone of my, one of my, 
dear friends who it is he the way he is bargaining the frank way he looks at you the like his mannerisms the ever this is her child right like this is her a carbon copy of her and it was the most uncanny wonderful experience as i'm like looking at the two of these human people and just having this sort of like oh my god isn't this fantastic experience and i wonder vince if it's like that with you and your kid i mean obviously you have genetics uh, involved here but so much of i think who we are goes into our kids yes uh, that it's it's a it's a it's a wild trip man as a child they didn't cling to a teddy bear or uh, uh what were those a, a beanie baby or anything like that yeah yep. they had an ultraman taro doll and <laughs> mia would go nowhere without the ultraman doll and, and i just said this this is me yeah this is me but i always this like to think me. of it this way I, i'm a firm believer in nurture because if yep. doomsday was raised by the kent's and, yes. and not thrown into that forced evolution murder machine, Doomsday could have been the greatest hero of all time. I love it. Write right? that story, Vince. I want to I want to read that story. But yes, yeah. yes, nurture has so much to do with things. And like, yes, you know, especially if we're talking about mutants and genetics and whatever, like biology also accounts for things. But the way you are raised and the people you are raised around yes. and, you know, whether or not like kindness and care, like the values and but there is just something so uncanny and and deeply beautiful about about this experience that I that I had with this kid that like was so much my friend's child. Right. Like it was just I don't know. It was sort of quiet and extraordinary. Um, yeah, I'm feeling yeah. it. Uh, yeah baby what else did we read this week? <laughs> <laughs> well hey do you see how much mileage we got out of the scarlet witch so we implore you to read this thing and if you want to see the design page that tana was talking about go to the website 11 o'clockcomics.com click on yes. the link for this episode and there's a gallery and in there yeah, you will baby. see that image and it's just wonderful and I think it was by, because, uh, you know, we now have to give credit where credit's due, Russell Dowderman. Dowderman yes. is the guy that did the design for that and then went on to do, I want to say issue three, but I'm not sure, um, of this five-issue five series. Was it five? Uh, and so, yeah, it, it just the the character choices, the way Pichelli stayed on model with the shoes. You can tell that Sarah loves fashion. Like, she... <laughs> And maybe drag queens, because, like, that whole dream scene, you want one of the sexiest comics uh, out this year? Go get the the episode where uh, she she fights the Nightmare Queen. Yep. It's so good. Dream queen. Oh, man. Cosine. But I left her tastes unchanged. The joy she needs will disgust her. Dream queen <laughs> jokes that I'd come to appeal to her better nature. I thought I'd give her one. It must be agony. It's so good. She's giving her a better nature. And there's like that schadenfreude about it. So nice. good. You got to read this, people. Uh, there was one thing that threw me, though. Mm. Darcy. I thought that yep. uh, before they mentioned her name, I, I thought. Selma. 
Yes, I thought it was Doctor yeah. Strange, Doctor Strange's protege. And then it, they're like Darcy Lewis, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's Marvel Cinematic Universe. How is this happening? Yeah, but it's so cool. I, so because I mostly consume Marvel stuff in the movies, don't judge me, but like you know, I do read comics. But listen, guys, uh, I immediately saw the Darcy from the movies as this Darcy, and I was like, oh, that's a great callback. She's one of the most like easy to like comic release. And she, she was in WandaVision. And she was in WandaVision and right. she was so good in WandaVision. And so I feel like so for me, I like clicked onto that being this girl immediately and really liked it. I was like, oh, this is a good choice. Well, I'm kinda glad that you didn't read the annual. Yeah. Because uh my one pet peeve from WandaVision is the um Agatha. Youthful Agatha Harkness. I I can't see it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I, I don't need it. And and that seems to be the prevailing um template. Ooh, I don't like that idea at all. Yeah, she's she's young and beautiful and, and witty and on. yeah, I mean Agatha always was the old lady that came to the door with the cat when the Fantastic Four needed magic help. Right? Yeah. And this really doesn't work for me but i mean the, the yeah. annual was fun um and and i'm sure that orlando's just doing what he's told with the characters like you gotta yeah. make, make agatha look like this well that, that's fine yeah. um i'm not the the uh, target audience for any marvel book so could be an old <laughs> fart but uh yeah this was great and and love you even more for suggesting uh, yay thanks we did read a whole mess of stuff and um, I'm just going to unleash you two on this one, and I'll I'll add some flavor, uh, pun intended, commentary. This we read a little book called Chef's Kiss. Oh, Ooh, baby, reread, maybe one of oh. us did, but yes. Oh no, this was my first exposure. Uh, <laughs> yes, written, you, you, yes, yes, uh, written by Jarrett Melendez, illustrated yeah. by Danica Bryan. With color art by Hank Jones, and it's published by Oni Press. Yeah. I love that I got to have you guys read a little, an adorable little gay romance book. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the struggle was real on the first couple pages because there is, there's a whole mess of dialogue, and it's just, I know. it's like, ground zero in the lives yep. of these four friends and yep. you have to you have to distinguish the various characters and their personalities and you try and come to terms with i mean it's it's ridiculous how likable ben is so very smart <laughs> uh what with him being the main character uh but yes it, but to Jarrett's uh credit i just leaned into it and because it was yep. effortless to, to enjoy this thing. But I want to hear you two talk about it. Dave, what did you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's very, um, just like I, I, I mentioned last year, um, this was, I didn't have, um, I didn't know what to expect when, uh, when I saw it offered. Um, but I, I couldn't stop. I, I do believe I said that uh, that I once once I started, um, there was really no putting the book down because I was so interested to see 
Ben's journey. There was there's really only one thing he wanted to do, and and then of course, you know, you want to he he's he's wants to train to be a chef, and mm-hmm. then this little not so little um, wrinkle or good looking wrinkle kind of just maybe mm-hmm. might. Uh, might derail his, his his plans, his goals just a little bit, but 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 it's a it's a good problem to have. But it's um and it 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 it's a, a good looking book and mm-hmm. uh and and the whole the whole concept of it, I just I'm 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 at a point right now where I need uh pretty much anything food or drink related, I'm I'm going to check out. Ooh. In 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 a comic book form, it, it's uh, whether it's to drink and to eat, whether it's uh, she loves to cook, she loves tea, whether it's chefs, kids, whatever. If, if I see something in previews that has something to do with food, like the um, what the hell was it? The uh, the Brian Wood book from a few years ago, from Image Star. That was that was yep. crazy. It was dark, but but it had it, but it was still about food and 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 cooking and uh the lengths people go through and don't to but it this was just this was more this was a little bit more down to earth a little bit more uh it was it, it extremely accessible uh and yep. and characters that you absolutely cared about now why do you think that you're drawn to books about food and drink right now what's why is that hitting the sweet spot for you can, can I answer that for him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. F- food and drink are David's therapy. It's the way he deals with the world. Mm. He loves to cook, loves to cook, and he's very good at it. Mm-hmm. And he also loves, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, <gasps> and he also loves his his uh, spirits. So anything mm-hmm. that could take th- the real world and translate it into uh, to keep it in the the thematic zone of this book into an mm-hmm. easily digestible nourishing nice. tasty little experience david's going to go for it but i mean he can answer himself but i just want to jump in there from my perspective david usually shops in the shit vince b wouldn't read with a gun to his head <laughs> aisle but but to his credit usually when he makes me read these things i enjoy them like you did so maybe yeah. i'm just reluctant to experience things outside of my comfort zone but whatever david tell we're her. gonna have to we're gonna have to <laughs> dig into that vince i know <laughs> i mean i've i've uh i've i've not entirely been joking lately that uh i would i i'd quit my job tomorrow if i could uh be a line cook at any of the restaurants in my neighborhood Ooh. i just i i i want to what i do right now my well, my current nine to five doesn't yep. it, it it doesn't make me happy, but and it also doesn't really. I mean, yeah, it's it's at a school, at the, yeah. I'm in the IT department at a college, so I mean, it, it's my work does affect other people, benefits yep. other people, but yep. I'd rather I'd rather do something where I could I, I could see a reaction more uh, instantaneously, and and not I, I don't want to play the long game. I just I want to. I like I, I like cooking for my friends, I like cooking for my family, and I want to I want to improve. I want to keep getting better. If I'm at work and I'm just you know plugging away on on some code or fixing a computer, that's that, yeah. that that's that's A and B. That, that's just 
there's there's a beginning, middle, and end there, and that's it. And once that's done, that's it, and 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 you can put it away. But there's no improving. You can only put RAM in to slots yep. so many different ways. And whereas, yeah. you know, preparing a dish, you can experiment and and change things around and and see what needs to be improved on. So that I I, I want to constantly learn. I just wanna if if I see if, if I give somebody a dish and and there's a look on their face that they're not quite sure that I know that there's something I need to, I, I need to tweak or just change. And, um, I just, I, I, I like that, that, that constant evolving and just trying to, to better yourself. Dude, you're the guy in the freaking is it Amazon commercial? The dude that's working as a security guard and he's ordering all this shit and he's making sandwiches for his coworkers and he's trying new recipes and then at the end of the commercial he walks by like he doesn't love his job you could tell uh and he walks by this this restaurant that has a short order cook wanted sign in the 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 window and he stops and he looks at the sign and he goes and he goes in and he takes you know what i mean that's you you're that you're that guy sounds like me but anyway, uh, what I'm here, there is there is this wonderful quote by Khalil Gibran um, that is uh, it it is work is love made visible, and I feel like that's what you're missing, right? Oh, yeah, it, it sounds like what you want is you know that connection, that relationship, right? That you can have this variation, doing the same thing every day, chopping ingredients, adding them in, temperature, heat, salt, and sweet, like you, the the result of what you do isn't going to be RAM in this slot, RAM in that slot, and it's the same thing. There's the potential for change, mm-hmm. for, you know, growth, and underlying it all, this idea of, like, pleasure, right? Like, eating, when you're really enjoying what you're eating or cooking, is a pleasure. Oh. I, I I wake up Saturday morning. We go to the farmers market, and I just and and that's I, you know, my, my wife is sitting here. She's planning out things to do around the house, where the money's yeah. going to go, what projects we're working on. I'm I'm just planning out the next couple nights of dinner. I that that that's like my oh. that's as far as my plan. And I just I I I'll I'll go out and I'll find ingredients and I'll yes. go, okay, so this is what I'm going to make tonight. And and that's that's kind of just how we go about it. And then there are a couple of things that I'll just I'll. I have a few things that I just constantly are easy to make that I'll just, you know, like this. What's a go-to? What's a go-to for you? Give me, give it to me, baby. Uh, lately, <laughs> lately it's been, uh, I've been, I've been fucking around with tofu. We've got, uh, we've got Ooh. some noodles and I'll make a marinade and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll crisp up the tofu and, um, add it with the, add it with, 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 with all the sauces I combined and, and then throw the noodles in. Uh, there's a, um, there's a quick little shrimp dish. I got It's just, what's your sauce. I've, Don't gloss over the sauce. The sauce is in a oh, noodle the, dish. That's it's, the, that's it's, the uh, sauce. It's, it's, it's soy sauce. It's, uh, tamari. It's a little bit of mirin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the rice vinegar, mm-hmm. a few drops of sesame oil. Um, Black pepper, maybe some chili flakes, depending on what else is going on. But it, it's just, and it's all it, it's there's no there's no measurements. I don't mm-hmm. I, stupidly, I don't write anything down. So like oh, there I might be uh, I, there's a little bit of um, if I've 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 screwed up in the past and I might have put in a little bit too much soy sauce. So then I got to get the light brown sugar to kind of like you know yep. sweeten it up yep. so it's not super salty. But it, it's yep. just 
there's uh that so so that'll be for the for the tofu um i uh, uh i stopped buying i and that's and, and that's i can't i can't eat uh you know like I, I i can't buy a loaf of bread like off the shelf anymore i can't i won't yes i can't really do like the hostess cupcakes or twinkies anymore i i, 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 yes. if I don't make it I, I have to be able to make it because i just mm-hmm. i can't stand the taste of anything off the shelf i refuse to buy i haven't bought jar spaghetti sauce it, it everything i buy nor should you. are are no well right no but I, I just i'll buy i'll buy either um crushed cans of, of tomatoes either crushed or pureed or, yep. or, or just or, or, or tomato sauce and that i'll doctor and season myself and and it's just it's not going to be anywhere near as sweet as whatever the hell ragu or prego's yes. jars it's just so i just i try to do i'll i'll um one of my favorites um i love uh making lasagna from from scratch complete with <gasps> the sheets I'll, I'll i'll make my own pasta do you really you have the yeah. the machine you're cranking it out you're doing yeah. the whole well oh. it's 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 the attachment on the kitchen aid so it'll do it for me oh. but it is yeah so i'll I'll make my own pasta sheet you know yes. um, you know what we oh use our pasta maker for oh god i have no idea what you're about to say vince sculpey clay Mia and I, we we use it to to uh, make our clay come out nice and flat and long, and then we use it to. Love it. Yeah. My cousin does that. My cousin definitely does that yeah. too. I have a crap job too. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it, it's, it, Vince, it I feel like you're getting the wrong message out of this whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, as I just, usual, I, I, and 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 it took me, and and that's the other thing is that it, I. Where I am right now in my life, if I had tried this 10, 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been the same. It, I probably yeah. would have been frustrated and, and have yeah. given up on a lot. It, it took me a long time to just realize that mistakes are just what I need to learn from. And I can't yes. I can't get upset if a dish doesn't come out the way I wanted it to, if, if a cake falls. if I Right, right now, the, yeah. the, the favorite thing, the, the, she says the best thing, but, but my wife's favorite uh dessert or, or or sweet thing from me is um is called queen amon it's basically it's 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 a it's a it's a layered pastry it's kind of like a uh uh somewhat sweet croissant because it's just okay. layered with 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 dough and butter and then you sprinkle caster sugar on it and then you you Oof. bake it you sprinkle a little bit more sugar on top so that it'll it gets a little brown but it is it's they don't last long I don't. I don't make them often because I can't have them in the house because you're just yeah. eating pounds just looking at them. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give them away to some friends, and and then they hound me to make it again. But it, it's. Uh. But so 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 that's that's when I began to realize that that baking is science and cooking is just feeling because I don't I don't care when I'm when uh. I'm cooking a dish. It's I, I season with feeling. I just whatever feels right. That's how much of it goes in. But but obviously with baking. You need to be exact with the measurements, with time, with everything else. So that's baking. I enjoy baking, but I don't have as much fun baking as I do with cooking. Nice. Tab, baking is science. Cooking is just feeling is one of the best lines to come out of this whole podcast. Mm. <laughs> I don't think I can that take credit for just, it. But okay. All right. I mean, there you go. Um, all let's right. let's. And, uh, <laughs> 
it's perfect because the whole thing in this book about Chef's Kiss is about the minute variation of recipe and the science, right. but also the feeling, uh, the romance feeling, but also just the feeling behind cooking things. Right. Uh, and that was one of the most enjoyable things about this very uh, adorable romance book um, about friendship and working in a restaurant and following your passion. Exactly. Uh, a, the line work is very clean and um, I don't know. It has kind of, I, I don't read a lot of manga, but I feel like you guys would, say this is manga adjacent right yeah i uh, definitely yeah. yeah especially uh ben and uh liam yeah yeah very much so yeah but there's like a senpai like a you know a mentor mentee yes. romance i wanted to set it up for the people playing at home because we've been dancing around it but um it, it, it's about a young man named ben who mm -hmm. just happens to be gay right and he mm -hmm. graduates uh, college and is thrust into the uh, the the gainful employment world, um, but he's caught in that that uh, that trap where he can't get a job because he doesn't have any experience, but he can't gain any experience without a job. So he goes from and he always wanted to be a writer, and that's what his uh, repulsive, overbearing. Uh, domineering parents want him to be because that was the, the 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 template that they thrust upon him well he likes to write he's going to be a writer so they try mm -hmm. and manipulate him in various ways to uh, do what he seems to have always wanted to do so he's he's down on his luck he even tried to be a garbage man but he couldn't get the job <laughs> because he didn't have any experience so he's uh fate has it that he uh sees a a, a a restaurant that needs help so he throws caution to the wind goes in and applies and wouldn't you know it he's faced with uh liam a, a gorgeous dude and mm -hmm. pretty much falls over himself uh in front of the guy and he takes the the job but there are conditions he must pass a number of tests uh culinary tests in order to be uh hired and the uh, the really cool twist is that uh ben doesn't have to cook for the owner of the restaurant which is chef davis he has to cook for a pig named what? named watson yeah it's adorable. It is very adorable. Yes, it is. Um, there, we love there, a we love a little pig. And the uh, I guess one of the takeaways for me is sometimes you don't get the resolution you always thought you wanted, but you get the mm -hmm. resolution that you secretly needed. <laughs> what does that mean, Vince? Well, he he was. <laughs> He was thinking that, well, I have to walk that tightrope. I have to, you know, please the parents. This is what I'm supposed mm. to do. And he, it's, again, it's very hard to buck mm -hmm. your programming when, when you're yeah. told you will be a writer because you love to write. You're yep. so good at it. Why don't you do it? It's very hard to run counter that and say, but no, I've really enjoyed this cooking thing. Like, this is great. I'm going to. Yep. And the romantic angle, too. I mean, uh, there's that. It's a very sweet sort of toned down romance. The whole book, spoiler, uh, turn away, 
earmuffs if you don't want to know ends on their first kiss right like it's there's nothing really it's just sort of like looks and cooking and you know kind of harmless flirtation through the whole thing and it's sweet and like um ben lives at home with four roommates or like an insane amount of human people living in the same space um (laughs) it's too many people uh but it's cute and so you're um you're experiencing all these different friendships and community and trying to support each other at this very transitional stage in life. Um, I gotta say there were, there were moments in the story where I wanted to shake Ben. I really wished I could mm-hmm. reach into the panel yeah. and shake him because Liam is making, I mean, he's picking up yeah. what Ben's putting down and Ben is just completely oblivious to it. Yep. Yeah, and he's too shy. He is, or maybe he's he's not uh, as assured into you know thinking that this gorgeous guy would be into him. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, but um, I, I yeah, I thought it was. I don't want to say cute because I think that that downplays it a little bit. There, there's there's uh, it's a very heartfelt story that um, I think cute is good. I wonder. I you know I'll I'll ask i think cute was the intention i think this okay. is intentionally cute i think it's okay to call this cute it is aggressively cute um yeah the whole story and uh watson's really cute oh my gosh <laughs> and seems to be pres- uh possessed uh with uh an extra human intelligence like the pig can yeah. almost talk I know, and he escapes and things. Also, the uh, the illustrator having to draw a pig is difficult, right? Like you have to do a lot of expression work, and it escapes the pen, and it has to be shown like really enjoying food. That's going to be hard. Animating that pig in a way that like it still reads as a realistic pig and not a yeah. cartoon. That we're walking a fine line here. And there's yeah. a a really fun mythology to the pig yeah, where page. may yeah. or may not be true there there are a lot of tall tales uh focusing on the pig where um you know removed from a bad situation he saw his parents go down and he's part superhero at one point and it's yeah it's probably not true but it could be true like you don't really need to know whether or not they're true and i think that's the yeah. joy of that where uh, yeah. chef davis loves this pig so much mm-hmm. that you don't really need to know exactly where he came from only the fact that the chef loves the pig and vice versa no it's really neat it's cute it's sweet uh it's harmless there's a lot of uh, very food centric stuff um very the minutia of it the the cooking stuff the things david that we were talking about earlier like with your um fascination with food soy tamari mirin you know little drops of sesame oil like all of that specificity is in this book in a way that i found deeply enjoyable because i am a i'm a person that enjoys specificity um but it's great it's sweet there's a lot the line work is very thin right like so you have I don't know if it's all with uh, brush pens or microns, but not a lot of over-rendering, just very sort of clean line work, um, which I think works for this story very well. It's It feels like manga to me, but I don't read enough manga to be like, oh, this is definitely influenced there. Um, and I just like it. It's a clean, crisp kind of storytelling. 
that does a lot of work with like group shot. There's always many as an artist, I'm looking for, you know, how an artist accomplishes the job. There's a ton of people in every panel. This, this girl worked, man. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a very, (laughs) very realistic, very believable environment. Yeah. Which is not easy to do because you could run the risk of over rendering. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that they're in a restaurant. I believe they're in a kitchen. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, uh, I, I, there was just something about it that wormed its way into my heart, and I, I was like, I really, very sweet. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I think Rachel is my favorite character, though. Why Rachel? <laughs> just because she's wacky and off the wall, and and gets yep. into character. She's she's taking a class on Shakespeare, and she gets into the. Yay, verily, and 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 all that. I mean, she doesn't break character until she's done with that part of the class, and then she becomes something else. I thought that was really there neat. Was, there was a moment where I thought uh, she was going to do it for the entire book, and I was like, "It's going to be too much. It's going to be too much." If she's just <laughs> quoting Shakespeare the whole time. That's going to be too much. Uh, but she drops it after I think the first. You know, it's and it's episodic. So after like issue one or chapter one. Um, she drops it, but verily, you know. Yeah. So the the whole uh, Ben Liz relationship mm-hmm. was odd to me, um, just because whenever um, I have a disagreement with someone, you just yeah, you just talk about it. But they let the things simmer and they go their yeah. separate ways for a little bit. I mean, yeah, narrative tension. That's great. But uh, I was just like, you guys are wasting time. You're friends. You know you're going to make up. Like, just talk it out and move on. But but I, I feel like at, at that age, so, you know, for me, I'm looking back at the time that I lived in a house with, like, lots of people. And there were these friendships and things. Like, that minor shit will ruin a relationship at that time. Yeah. You don't know how to talk about things yet. You yeah. do let things fester. There are too many people under one roof, right? Like, the... That seemed very of the story for me, uh, and I'm glad that they figured it out. But because it is a hopeful and optimistic story, but I, d- I did not see them inevitably figuring it out. Um, it was pretty it, strange read, there for a couple. Uh, yeah, and it read as realistic to me, like very. that there are, and I like that there are more than one there in this story or more than one relationship that is important right like it wasn't completely centered on this romantic entanglement it was also about the like boss the the main davis the main chef relationship and how he refuses to use the name and uh, ben's name and continues to call him the wrong name and there's kind of a degradation there <laughs> yeah. but then we'll defend him when the parents come in right to be like you can't work here we don't want you here uh the chef is like he's excellent and talented and uh you need to leave my restaurant right like there's there's that relationship, there's the Liz relationship, there's the friendship relationships, there's friends giving advice on romantic partners, on work situations. There was a lot going on here. I feel like Jarrett had a lot of, oh my God, he's going to flip out balls in the air here. Um, and I think he managed them very well. I agree, I agree. Can you imagine living through that sequence where the parents come into the restaurant? Oh my God. Uh, so here you're at the precipice of getting something you've worked extremely mm-hmm. hard for. You put mm-hmm. all of your creative energy into this thing. You're almost at the finish line. 
you're, you're nervous. It's uncertain whether you're going to pass or not. You're in a position that makes you very vulnerable. And in walks these... Sh I don't even want... Yes, overbearing, just yeah, repulsive unhappy. people. Yeah, and and almost pulled the rug right out from underneath them. If If the chef wasn't a bigger person he would be like i don't need this drama see you later yeah. like just get out of my restaurant uh, ben was lucky uh but uh the parents didn't know that right yeah. so i i just like let's have a little bit of love for your kid and and let them fail if they if need be right absolutely yeah well said it's a very good book. Do you know if there's going to be successive volumes? Um, I am not at liberty to say. But hey, if oh. we want to see more of them, let's uh, let's email Oni Press and demand Chef's Kiss too. Oh, nice! Because I really need to know what happens with with, <laughs> with Ben and Liam. No, but here's yeah, why we can't know what happens because they're just going to break up. Because that's listen, guys. No. Why do they break up at the beginning, but they get back together by the end? No, yeah, they, okay, I like that. I like that. This like book that. is they too optimistic. To no, they can't break up. No. They're gonna. Yeah, they will. They're gonna be pulled. They're. You know, you can't have. There's no story if they're happy, right? So. Right. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. So yeah. while we want there to be a book too, we also don't because it means sadness. <laughs> well, it does sadness. end on the perfect note. I mean, it's right there in the title. <laughs> So it, yes. it, is a, it is a complete package, and y'all should read it. But mm -hmm. I would read another volume of this if it came out. I'm just saying. I would, too. <laughs> so do you have any insight into what went into the, the making of this? Um, where does it come from? Is it life experience from, from Melendez? Or, or, yeah. Or, um, Jared is a phenomenal chef. Uh, I went to a pride barbecue where, oh my God, the food, uh, at this thing was incredible. Um, and so the culinary background is absolutely there. And then the sort of like adorable queer romance stuff is also very much there. Um, and the friend stuff. So I would say in my opinion, he has drawn, you know, uh, very much from his own life uh, and maybe polished it up and, and made an adorable little story about things. So, yeah. Uh, and there's uh, the, the food that this man can cook is extraordinary. Um, so, well, it seems very, um, there's an authority to the events mm -hmm. that at least I could tell that some, some, if not all, of the experiences were taken from from real life. Because you can't get do, this believable just making shit up. Right, yeah. I Yeah, I do believe that, like, the friendships and, you know, the sort of, like, interpersonal stuff heavily drawn from life, but mostly, 100%, it's that, like, trading out the panko crumbs for tempura to make those squash blossom ricotta stuffed uh, delicacies just that much crisper, right? Like he knows food in a way that is uh, savant-like and uh, and it's wonderful. Yeah. So, and I think that definitely comes through in this book. Liam may be a little too attractive though. <laughs> there might be some idolized, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking this guy definitely has an OnlyFans. He has to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hi, I'm Liam. Would you like to okay, visit so my OnlyFans? Here you go. Here's the. 
I mean, that's an angle for the sequel that I would not see coming and (laughs) that I would read with deep interest. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It it was a wonderful, wonderful book. Again, how dare you? Uh, I do what I do, guys. You bring me on the show. I'm going to bring a lot of lady talk and a lot of gay shit like that's and whiskey like that's going to be the trifecta for me. Fourth chair. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) All right. Last but certainly not least, we read uh, a little on the darker side than what we've. uh, Well, no, not so much because Scarlet Witch got dark in in spots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a little uh, book called Monomyth, of which two issues have been published to date, written by David, I'm going to say Hazan, mm-hmm. illustrated by Cecilia Lovalvo, color by Marissa Louise, and it's published by Mad Cave Studios. Now, of all the, the three of these books, this was the one that smack dab in the middle of my zone. Mm. Yeah, I... I it was very surprising to me. I just tried it because I found um, Cecilia's art to be extremely compelling. Mm-hmm. From, I just saw a couple preview pages and I'm like, I need to read this. But um, again, it, it, like um, Chef's Kiss, there's there are uh, relationships at the core mm-hmm. of this, but not in the same vein. Definitely not. Um, it, it starts with a wizard who's not long for the world. And mm-hmm. they weave this final spell, and they gather seven strangers from across time and space. And that's not enough to, to convince you to read this mini. Uh, maybe a little more magic needs to be applied. You have mm-hmm. uh, a man named Cole Michaels from Detroit who's in a really sticky situation. He's strapped to a chair, and he's beaten uh, by someone for reasons unknown. You have a, a reporter from New York City who's held at gunpoint while on the precipice of breaking this huge story. There's a, a young lady named Julia who's a spirit medium, and she's called out as a fraud by one of her customers. There's a gulag in Siberia <laughs> uh, where this, this man named Vadim comes from, and uh, when we first meet him, the guy is in an altercation with other people and ends up setting himself on fire. But you don't know it at that point. But his family also succumbed to fire. Um, there's a, a woman named Vivian who's incarcerated in Tokyo. And a man named Dr. Ahmad Khan who um, has this really manipulative uncle and... Uh, he's he's pointing a gun at him when we first meet him, and he's demanding to know the location of his wife. And then there's uh, Alberto Hernandez, this this gun-toting young man from Houston who is preparing to defend himself against this mass of people, and they're all just whisked away to this other realm. And you find out that the reporter... And the young man strapped to the chair are estranged siblings. They're twins. Uh, and Ahmad and Vivian are married. And he, that was the woman he was, he was trying to, to find. And it's just, they're brought to this other realm where a homunculus, one of my favorite words ever, 
Uh, it is a great word. I love homunculus. We used to call this really short guy. We worked with homunculus, but not to his face. Um, so this homunculus tells them all that they've been uh, assembled because they're all future wizards. And they're like, what? No. Uh, they wig out naturally. If someone told you you were a future wizard, you'd get kind of, you know, you go off the edge a little bit. Um, so Monkey disappears and allows, gives them ample time to just scope out the place. And there's this M.C. Escher-like geometry to the place where stairwells intersect with other stairwells which go up to nowhere and it, it's it's all very it's eye candy is is, is what it is mm-hmm. um and he gives them he reappears and he gives them these magical tools of the trade wands and staffs and and all this stuff and the the meat of of the early story is they're accosted by these creatures that come out of the shadows and the creatures are wearing the faces of their lost loved ones, which is a really cool way to flesh out a whole mess of backstory for all the characters. Yeah. Right. And they have these, these tendril like tongue protuberances and they, they, the, the protuberances worm their way down the character's throats, which incites these flashes of past traumatic events. Right. And, and we get little little slivers of of character building for all of the people, like uh, the 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 guy in the gulag, Vadim. His his face is burned from a terrible fire that consumed his family, right? And Cole sees his dead father, who berates him for not digging into the events of his mother's death. And his sister Kara encounters their mother, who you know scolds her for the very same reason. There's just a whole bunch of of um really damaging traumatic experiences that these characters are forced to encounter through these creatures um and it's you know at the end of the second issue viv the the creature that was connected to her doesn't dislodge completely and so uh, Ahmad uses his his uh, staff to to magic the monster away, and it doesn't have really great. Uh, I mean, there's disastrous consequences to this, but oddly enough, that's not the whole story because there's it's all wrapped in this tale of a boy who would be king, and he's beset by terrible events. How that storyline weaves its way into the you know the the big tapestry is anyone's guess like i don't completely know exactly what's going on here but i i need to know and i feel like nobody really knows the so i only have issue two it opens with the death of someone right i think and then it this issue two ends with what appears to be the death of Ahmad, who's just used his staff. Right. Are we going to get a death every episode? So who is the who is the guy in issue two? If you've got both of them, who's the dead body? The that, the first line of issue two is he's dead. Yeah. What that, the hell did you do to him? That's Alberto. Because so he, Alberto is he's, dead. He's dead because he, he picked he picked up the the magic items and he's like he's facing the homunculus. He's like you're going to tell us what's going on and he points them at him and he tries to kill him, but he ends up vomiting a ridiculous amount of ammunition. It's very O'Henry. He says he, 
Yeah, his 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 command is to eat bullets, but he ends up regurgitating bullets. Yeah. So the bullets were actually in in his stomach that he just he just pukes up, and that, that that's what kills so, him. So yeah. yeah, it's okay. beautifully okay. disgusting. I love it. Um, <laughs> and, so how, what's up with the boy king? Like, how does that factor into this? It's really strange. Uh, it has D and D vibes to yes. it. It has yes. you know like like we're all sort of and also escape room vibes right like not yes. everybody's getting out of this in fact a lot of us are not getting out of this mm-hmm. maybe one of us is getting out of this right um, it's very odd because some characters mm-hmm. like like cole and julia they speak the language of magic in, in mm-hmm. fact cole you don't have the first issue but cole narrates some of it and he's talking about okay the unpredictability of magic and the 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 imposition of the will over reality you know that that is part mm-hmm. and parcel of what makes magic work um but there's other characters that that don't and 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 it makes the homunculus's claim that they're all wizards extremely interesting like they they may all be part of like an oceanic feeling where they're, they're adrift in something much larger than themselves, but they just don't know it. Like, I don't think that this, the creative team has enough time because I believe this is a mini series. Yeah. So how yeah. are you going to flesh all this out in like five issues? Yeah. Issue three is coming out in July. So by the time you guys read this, it'll probably be on or listen to this podcast. It'll be on shelves. But yeah, I'm excited. I actually enjoyed this very much. Um, the artistry is great. There's yeah. kind of a watercolor wash about it. You you need to get your hands. I know uh, on the first issue because I, I tried. I wanted it as a physical book, and uh, they my LCS only had issue two, and I was oh. like, you know what. We're going live. I'm going to have to just pick it up and jump in. <laughs> We're going live. But we, I, the reason why I say you need to get it, because you, being a, an aficionado of mm-hmm. D&D, there's mm-hmm. a, a full-page splash in the first issue where they're they're dropped into this land. You see this this really foreboding castle on the top of a hill. And yep. the, land, the landscape is all, it looks like it's very much alive and intends to kill them. And out yeah. of the, the, the foreground... There's a chimera, and it chases Ooh, them. Yeah, it chases them into the castle. That's how they they willingly entered the castle. They didn't. I mean, they saw it. And they're just like hell no. But when when a chimera is chasing you, what do you do? You know, you, can you willingly do something if it's the only option? Right, like if it's if it's getting it's by true. the chimera or run into the haunted castle. Right, like you really can only do one thing. Yeah, go talk to the homunculus. Oh, oh yeah, that. Um, <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys ever read uh, the Poppy War by R.F. Quang? The um, it it had a creature in it. This is why I'm asking. That, and I'm wondering if this is a mythology thing that I don't know. Maybe your listeners can let me know. The creature that changes faces, like this clicking insect-like, many-limbed creature. Right has a face that looks like the face of your mother or child or father or loved one, right? And there is something about that that is 
uh, deeply unnerving, but I think also is a mythological creature. The The name of this is monomyth. And so they're probably drawing on mythology and yeah. chimeras and things like that. And, uh, and I wonder what this creature is. Um, I was first introduced to something like it in the Poppy War, um, which is a sci-fi series that's incredible. It's a trilogy. It's so good. But this, the, the, the description of this character, like imagine seeing, you know, so you're, you're a monster slayer, you're going to go kill this monster, but it has the face of like your grandmother telling you to eat blueberry muffins or so like you, there's this emotional unsettling thing that like as humans, we wouldn't be able to withstand the face of our mother, father, sister, which is what all of episode two is about in this monomyth. And it, the whole idea of it is is profoundly upsetting. Well, uh, it may not only be hinged on, uh, I mean, one of the myths may be uh, the artistic realm, too, because yeah. that could very well be an Arthurian, um, you know, the, the legend going into it. And then you have M.C. Escher. That landscape is pulled Almost direct. I mean, it's inspired, heavily inspired by yeah. the work of M.C. Escher. So it may be um, a creative, um, yeah. mythological uh, extraction. Like, who knows? I, I, I just like there are a lot of questions. Yeah, I like it. And and the sort of brushwork, the watery wetness of yes. the page um it, it lends itself to that atmospheric quality of mystery and unknown and the kind of changing environment if if you're going to live in a reality of mc escher then it has to feel like the floor is the ceiling yes. and the artwork does a very good job of translating that kind of vertigo to the reader um so very well paired the writing and the art in this is definitely serving the story yeah there's an immediacy to the art too that mm-hmm. I, I really oh, yeah. love um uh, uh there's a a, a jansen-esque uh application mm. of, of of ink and i i the the more expressive the line the more you draw me in uh mm. and, and i just i just sucked it up i think this visually it, it's a stunner there are still big yeah. question marks uh, hanging above my head, though. So I need to know what's going on. Yeah, I like that. They better stay away from Cthulhu, though. <laughs> I don't like it when you get a um, a very realistic depiction of Cthulhu. Um, he's an elder god. He makes mm-hmm. he causes you to go insane, as yeah. do all Lovecraft's. Uh, cosmic entities it shouldn't be rigidly delineated it should be very abstract and very expressive and when when you know they they do the whole tentacled face with the wings like it's Mm -hmm. don't don't set it in stone extrapolate Mm -hmm. and and give me some abstraction then we're talking about it yeah love it but anyway no this was i thought this was great it it's it's from a publishing company that i don't um isn't within the crosshairs more often than not and but that may change because um uh, they're not something that i see uh mad cave studios the their books are not ones that i'll see readily available at at the local shop 
So um, you have to take it upon yourself to investigate these books. I'm sure they're not going to throw themselves at you like a Marvel or a DC. You have to yeah. put, put a little effort into it. But you will be rewarded because it was really, really good. It was really good. Monomyth. Yeah. All right. Well, we covered everything. How about that? Yeah, baby. You are the best. Oh, my gosh. We did it, guys. We did it. <laughs> Just remember. At the, end, <laughs> at the end of the whistle pig. Let's whistle. Oh, you drank both of them? And I did. Nice. Uh, they it absolutely delicious. What a fine way uh, to end my private collection of uh, drinks by the dram. I'm just going to pretend you started them on that previous episode, and now you finished them here. That's right. I like that. Yeah, I like make believe. It's the best. How was the uh, how was how was the uh, younger? Uh, the younger it was very good. Um, I preferred the first one, right? Like they, there was a a, a nutty caramel sweetness uh, to the first one that was just a little bit absent. Not that it was flat. Uh, also, my ice was melting, so, you know, for those whiskey aficionados, you'll know that that kind of levels it out a little bit, uh, and so maybe it wasn't a pure tasting, but yeah, uh, deeply pleased is Good. how I would rate my experience. Nice. Awesome. Same on this end, too, without the <laughs> Of whiskey. course. Yeah, yeah, your blue water's got to be yeah, slamming. Awesome. <laughs> hey, everybody, remember who made this possible? Cheap Graphic Novels Go there and pre-order the Romnibus. It's going to cost you $74.99. That's $50 off the list price of $125. And after you order it, you'll get an email confirmation that says, Hey, thank you for ordering. And you reply to that saying, 11 o'clock comic sent me. And you will get free shipping on your second or next order. Simple. Very simple. And don't forget, we have a Patreon patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics take a look around if you like what you see please i beseech you to join our extended family we talk every day constantly on our uh, dedicated slack channel plus there's a whole mess more that you get just check it out patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics in your travels love it who does not love slasher movies Tana slowly raises her hand. Okay. Well, <laughs> if, if you're a fan, uh, as I have been since way before John Carpenter's Halloween, but that was the instigating factor that made the genre uh, profitable among movie studios, hence the uh, landslide of slasher movies in the, in the 80s. I love the genre. I, I know they may not be for everybody, but if you love slasher movies you are gonna adore pink elephant from sumerian comics it is written by e n e pliskin which stands for emilia and emiliano pliskin i wonder if they're related to, to snake um the, yeah. the, the art is by benson chin with an assist by harumi tokuyoshi and uh, what it is, it's just a setup. The, the first issue is all set up. Uh, there's this crazy old woman who is wandering the, um, on a bike. She, she's, she's just wandering this countryside singing to herself. 
And she's singing, if you want to play, you better start running now. The pink killer will find you. There's no place to hide. I don't know what the melody is, but the, the, the pink butcher will hunt you down and chop your head off. And she's the proprietor at this little roadside grocery out in the sticks. Nothing around it. Gas station, grocery store. And these four teens, there's the setup. Stop, uh, two boys, two, two men, two men, two women. They, they stop at this little, uh, roadside curiosity that's loaded with tchotchkes. There's, uh, a Jason Voorhees mask, a Freddie, or, um, a Michael Myers mask. Uh, there's a melting pumpkin, which I really hope is an homage to Halloween 3. Season of the Witch. But uh, this woman is just behind the the register. And she's not saying anything. Uh, And and the the kids go up to her and it's like, hey, lady, how are you doing? She doesn't say anything. Um, One of the the boys is looking around and he finds this box. And it's labeled fun, fun, fun. It's really pink and yellow and garish. And he opens up the box and there's this little plastic clamshell container shaped in the head of a smiling elephant and it's pink and he's like oh this is cool uh shit goes south and the old woman ends up calling the girl filthy whore uh he's gonna come for you you're gonna die and the the boy puts the elephant in his pocket and that triggers something she says oh you're done now he's gonna come and he's gonna get you so they leave and they're all kind of freaked out and they go to um the one boy's uncle's cabin up in the green hills. So they're sitting around looking for stuff to do. And he opens up the, the, the elephant container and inside, what do you think's inside? What's in the box? What's (laughs) in the box? There are tabs of acid in the, in the box and the blotter paper has the pink elephant face on it. So they're all like, cool acid we're going to be tripping balls and they do just that they all take the acid and that opens the portal to madness and the pink elephant is going to come to kill them all what an uplifting story this but it gets it gets cartoony after they take the acid it turns all robert williams crazy physics weird liquid life smiling bunnies uh it it gets nuts and you see the pink elephant and it's as if you were experiencing the lsd grossly exaggerated the the pink elephant mask is falls back and underneath the pink elephant mask is a more realistic depiction of a pink elephant headed creature that's coming to kill them I loved this issue. Do I need to explain why? I don't think so. I thought it was... It's crazy. It's melty. The the, the pink elephant is a melty creature from hell coming to kill these kids. I am so in. Pink elephant, E&E Pliskin, Benson Chin from Sumerian Comics. Issue number one came out $3.99. Remember, it's Sumerian Comics, so it's a smaller form factor than traditional comics. A little bit wider, a little bit shorter, Cardstock cover, great paper, well worth your money. The hook is set. I'm done. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Nicely done. Take it away. Uh, in your travels, uh, this was, uh, this is a manga I picked up, uh, saw the previews, saw it in previews, and, um, I don't know, I guess I just, it was a light month, and, uh, so I figured, what the hell, this is Until I Love Myself by Poppy Pesiyama. The journey of a non-binary manga artist, and um, this is not necessarily something that's going to appeal to everyone. It's uh, the subject matter may not be uh, something you're in the mood for, but I appreciated this book. I'm, I'm halfway through it. I've, I've, I've been I started it last night, and I was reading it today during work, and and got halfway through so far, but um, it's. Uh, it what I appreciate about it um, is that uh, their uh, poppy is what I what I hope people will get out of this people who need to give this a shot um, or it's offered to them but I, I, I'm hoping that I know in our circle I, I don't have to worry about this but but as far as like the population at large you could this might explain why people feel the way they do, why someone may feel that they're in, in the wrong body, why, why they may not want to be touched, why they may think that, uh, you know, certain, certain comments or jokes and air quotes aren't really all that funny. And, um, empathy goes a long way, obviously, but Poppy put up with a lot dealing with, uh, this, this, uh, they're referred to as manga artist X um, and, and Poppy was working in the studio with, with uh, two others and, and the lead artist and um, the artist was a major dick and uh, Poppy grew up not feeling they were assigned female at, at, at birth, but never felt like a female they've always been neither it, and and uh they, they talked about early on in the book that grade school and 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 leading up to uh to the first job and and how strange life was with their friends people who weren't their friends um and then working in the in the environment in the studio uh and then after about seven years um wanting to do something about it and 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 they they actually they go to another publisher to to work on another book and when they're explaining uh what they've gone through and, and their experiences the publisher she uh she takes poppy to see a lawyer and and uh and as things changed after me too and societal norms and things like that, like things that would have things that things that, you know, Vince and I saw that we all saw growing up in, in, mm-hmm. in the seventies and eighties and, and, you know, people's attitudes, people's actions, people's words, and, and how obviously over the past couple of years that's changed. And, uh, you know, you can't say mm-hmm. that anymore. You can just so, so that, 
that's that's referenced in this book as well how 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 the times have changed and just because something was the way it was just because you know 20 years ago it mm-hmm. don't, it, so so i i just i really am it, it, it's weird to say you know this isn't necessarily a book you can enjoy like 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 we're talking about mm-hmm. scarlet witch but it's still it's it's um i'm not it, i'm not about to say that it, it it's it's a piece of work as important as maybe mouse, but it's still something that obviously mm. Poppy wanted to, to get out there. And, and, uh, and, and if others can learn from their experience, great. But I think it's, it's pretty, it's pretty solid. Well done manga. It, it's a little, mm-hmm. um, so, some of the, some of the characters are a little, um, not, not generic, but just not, not, a, not going into have heavy detail kind of childlike in some some instances but uh it's you're 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 getting more of it you're getting more out of it i think if if you read what's being said more than than the images that are drawn attached to the uh to the word balloons in the caption boxes but um you know it it really does it it just gives you pause and and just realize that you know you you also don't know and that, that, that's nothing new, but you don't know what someone else is going through. And, and, you know, just because you may be having a bad day and if somebody else reacts to you, it's just, there's so much more than just whatever's going on in your head, in, in, in your little piece of the world. And, and, uh, just to be more aware and to accept people for how they want to be, uh, accepted is, is it, it's like the least anybody can do. You don't, Never mind what you think how somebody should be. You're not them. So just mm-hmm. as long as if 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 Poppy's happy in their skin, then that's really that that's the important thing. That it, it, it's not your concern. It's not your. You have no place to say what they they should or shouldn't do. Or or or, or you know you're so skinny and you should smile more. You you're so pretty as a girl. It's like yeah. but I don't I don't feel like it. there's just I I, I can't stand people who just push their their beliefs or their outlooks on on others when when the situation isn't the same but no it i, I think it's a um so i'm not trying to um bring the room down or anything it's just one of those books where um it it's i i think it might have gotten this was published five years or so ago it it, it might have gotten lost or not as uh it maybe just wouldn't have been as um the message may not have been as as uh as heard or or maybe even as powerful but now i think it, it's something that um people should be aware of at least more people should be aware of or at least understand so yeah i think yeah. I, I, I think others should definitely check it out so until i love myself it, it it's got a big old one on the spine in the cover <laughs> i don't know if we're getting um additional mm-hmm. volumes i don't know if poppy said everything they needed to say in this book but i'll, I'll find out by mm-hmm. the time i get to the end of it but i definitely would recommend it from viz signature viz media uh until i love myself from by poppy pesciama nice what a what a rousing um uh review i will need to check that out um damn You read the pink elephant, right? <laughs> I am not a horror guy. <laughs> 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 but 
that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> um, I, I have something that's I, I so when I picked my thing, um, uh, it I knew it was going to be a divergence. Um, so we have horror, we have um, we have until I love myself, and my thing is a weirdo beardo hard hardcover children's book that is not for children. So here's my thought, guys. Okay, 4th of July just happened. The there is a corner of the internet that's going crazy because the next major holiday, do you know what it is? Uh it, it's it's if it's not well, July 4th and then there's nothing in August. Is it is like what mm-hmm. Labor Day? Well, there's something in August, but it's not a major holiday. Oh well, I mean, aside from your birthday, Vince, my yes, birthday, but, right? <laughs> that's a that's a national holiday. That's a footnote. Yeah. It's it's below a footnote. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> the next major holiday is several months away, but the people who get so excited about Halloween are already so oh excited about it. I know, I know, I know, but. I figured since I have this adorable, creepy kids book, uh, it's called Butterfly House and it is by Brenda Hickey and Troy Little. And I only know it because I was next to, you guys might know Troy from the Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons um, comic book. I don't know if you're uh, into that sort of thing, but I am. Uh, He's very cartoony. very animated style and a delight. I met him because we were tabled next to each other at comic book conventions. And all weekend long, he has this beautiful hardbound. It's a hardcover book um, that is like, it looks like a children's story, but it's creepy as hell. And he illustrated it with his wife, I believe, um, Brenda Hickey, and uh, and so you read half of the book. This book is split into two timelines, and it's made to be read from the side of the reader's choosing. When you reach the middle of the book where the two timelines meet, simply close the book, flip it over, and begin reading the second half. And it is about a haunted house, a young girl, maggots, um, uh, time travel. It's cr- it is. Uh, there's it, it's beautiful and super creepy. I feel like Vince, this might be up your alley, um, but uh, but yeah. So this is my choice. It's called Butterfly House, and uh, it is one of the most interesting reads that if your readers, if your listeners are interested in this sort of thing, could pick up. Uh, it's by Pegamoose Press, which is their independent small press. This is a an indie book they put out. There is spot gloss on the cover. It is the highest quality, terrific artwork. Um, It's large format um, and absolutely unsettlingly creepy for a cartoon book. Like it is just, it's fully creepy. Um, And I highly recommend it to your readers. So if they're interested in a book that is, spooky and inventive and you flip it over halfway through uh go get butterfly house by troy little and uh brenda hickey now the last time you came on Mm -hmm. we talked or i talked rick and morty and you said you have to read rick and morty dungeons and dragons yes and 
I did. Troy Little's art. Yes, and I think he's great. Did you? Yeah. Well, it's you told me to read it, so I did. Oh, well, uh, oh, since since no. you've been on here, yes. Vince has gone, I'm not going to say all in, but Vince Ooh, baby. has opened his heart up to the yes. wonder that is Rick and Morty. There's not yes. an issue of Rick and Morty that comes out from Oni that I do not buy. I buy the main oh. series, I buy the, the offshoots, I buy the one-shots. I kind of love it. Vince. Yes. I love this for you. You're yeah. so mature now. You're and, so grown up. And I don't know whether my brain evolved or yes. I just, the, like, the, the dial was tuned in to the frequency that they're putting out, but I don't find it as overbearing and incomprehensible as I did. Oh, I can make Vince. sense of it now. Listen to me. Listen to me, Vince. <laughs> if you, off the air, send me your mailing address... I will happily put my personal copy of Butterfly House in the mail to you because I want you specifically to read this adorable, creepy, freaking book and tell me what you think about it. No, I can, so, I'll just pick it up. You don't have to. You I don't. could just pick it up, but I could also just. There's something beautiful about like the mail system, isn't there? Like you. Yes, have it's true. Yeah. This copy, my cop, we could read the same copy of the same book, and okay. then you could tell me what you think about it. I'll, all right, just, I'm down. Just you just gotta give me your mailing address, baby. You're so sweet. Ooh, baby. And so that's from Pegamoose Press. For those of you guys that want to pick it up, uh, they are, you know, it's a married couple that's doing that's doing the thing. Uh, and it's freaking gorgeous. The end papers, like these people, these this pair has made a gorgeous, disturbing, like creepy story. Um that is quite enjoyable, and uh, you have plenty of time to read before Halloween. <laughs> My favorite holiday. But you probably <laughs> already knew that. Yeah, you knew that. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you one more time for being here. Do yourself a favor and get yourself to a comic book shop because you're going to want to buy lots of comics and read them with the people you love and talk about them and eat some stuff and hug your pets and just do all great stuff and remember say good night david I think you nailed it. Nice. It was right at the right time, right? When then, too, that was great. Yes, and there was conceptual continuity in that song. You don't know it, but I know it. That's why I chose it. Because the song is called Buzzards of Green Hill. And the location the, lo the location that the kids travel to in Pink Elephant is called Green Hill. So I thought, what better song than to trip up David? I'll use Les Claypool's Buzzards of Green Hill. <laughs> That's how I think. I'm very sorry. Well I'm not going to apologize. It's who I am. All right, everybody. Love it. Tana, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for Thanks uplifting for us as usual. Oh, what, a, what a fine time I've had with you, gentlemen. Nice. Yeah. We're going to catch hell from Jason. <laughs> Fourth told chair, him to go to Italy. Well, third chair. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I am Jason. I have been Jason Wood. <laughs> 
It sounds so much better when you say it. We're out of here. Tell them you love them. Love, love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. That's it for that one. <laughs>